Go to Matthew chapter number 4 in your copy of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 4. Amen. Appreciate all the good testimonies. Always a blessing. I love to hear how God's working in people's hearts and what God is doing and how He's stirring. And uh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Man, I, I prayed, prayed for this last night, yesterday afternoon, and this morning. And uh, I, God is so good. And I, I saw, I read a statement. I, I, I need to investigate it. But the statement was this. Man's problem is that God is good. And uh, I think I know where he's coming from. Because God is very patient. Very long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And He allows mankind to go further than probably we would allow our children to go and allow some people to go, but God does that, and it's His goodness that leads us to repentance. And uh, I think I know where He's coming from when He said it. I'm going to investigate it, find out for sure what He said, but I do know this much, God is good. And I'm so thankful that He loves us. I don't know, I'm like Brother Wesley. I don't know why He loves somebody like me. If I, if I was God, I would have got rid of me a long time ago. I would have just forgot about me. Um, I had a college instructor tell me, he said, I've never given up on a man, but I'm about to give up on you. And the only reason I, he was giving up on me was because um, I was sleeping past ministry meeting. I wasn't making it in the ministry meeting. I had to get off at work at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. We drove an hour to come back to the dorms, and I'd get in bed finally about 3.30. Ministry meeting was at 8.30, and I'd maybe slept three or four hours all week, and that was my day to sleep in late, and I would sleep in until 7.30. And sometimes I'd hit the snooze on my alarm clock, or I'd forget to turn it on because I'd turn it off when I left so I wouldn't break wake up my roommates and stuff. And... Um, because I kept sleeping through ministry meeting, he almost gave up on me. And I've done a lot worse than that to God. And he's never given up on me. If all I ever did was oversleep, arrive late at church a few times, and God said, you know, I'm about to give up on you. Uh, I don't know where that would leave us, but I'm glad. I'm glad he hasn't given up on me yet. And I've done a lot worse than arriving late at church. And so I thank the Lord for his mercy. Amen. Matthew chapter number 4 in your copy of the Word of God. I've been, I've been looking at this passage, Luke chapter number 4 as well, Matthew and Luke. I've been looking at these two passages just writing down thoughts. And uh, I'm going to try to get you out of here before in the morning. And um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I, want, I want to try to give you some, some idea uh, about what's going on. Matthew chapter number 4 and also Luke chapter number 4. I'd like to read both passages if you'd be okay with that. They're pretty much the same account. Uh, one is Matthew's account, one is Luke's account. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But if you found your place and you can, would you stand? This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is the beginning of His work. He's beginning His... Uh, he's been baptized and now He's being led into the wilderness to uh, be tested, tempted by the devil. 
The Bible says in verse number 1, Matthew chapter number 4, verse number 1, the Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things I will, will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And the devil leave, then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now go over to Luke chapter number 4. Verse number 1, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. I like that. I like that. He's full of the Holy Ghost starting His ministry. Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And those days He did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he He afterward hungered. And the devil said unto Him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Jesus answered and answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou wilt, if thou therefore wilt worship me. All shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of a temple, of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from thence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And the devil had, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Look at verse number 14. Just, I just want to touch on this. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit is evident in your life when you overcome temptation. It is evident to others when you overcome temptation. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the day. Help us, I pray, as we consider the thought today in Jesus' name. I pray that you deal with the heart of sinners, draw them to the Savior. We'll praise you for what you do in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. In, we'll, we'll not really refer back to both of these accounts again, but I just wanted to read them for familiarity. And we'll talk about them. We'll talk about the content of them. And when you look in the Scriptures, you find out that in these two Gospel accounts, we have have what is normally called the temptation of Christ. This is the account of that temptation.
And in Matthew's account, you have more of, I believe, what is called a, a historical account, meaning that these things happened in their order. But then you have in Luke's account the moral order. You see the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life given in order, the moral order over in Luke's account. So it's the same temptations, just two different orders. It's not a contradiction in Scripture. They're saying the same thing. And they show that Christ had power over temptation. He was tempted in all points, like as we are, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and yet without sin. He was tempted in all of those things. And you see that moral order in Luke's account, where you see more of a historical order in Matthew's account. The Bible tells us, though, that Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost, right? The Bible tells us that He was led by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And both of them record, uh, both the record of Matthew and Luke reflect, reflect the facts that Jesus was three things. First of all, He was not alone. Now, He was alone in the fact that He had no disciples with Him. He had no one traveling with Him. He had no individual other than the Holy Spirit that was with Him. By the way, may I say that's the same thing you and I have when we're alone. The Holy Spirit is with us just like He was with Jesus. The Holy Spirit was with Him, so He was not alone. He was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. Are you filled with the Spirit this morning? Are you led by the Spirit this morning? You have as much as Jesus did when He was tempted in these areas of temptation. You have as much at your disposal as Jesus had when Jesus was tempted in these areas. And the word, when He was led by the Spirit, I thought this was interesting, the word actually means to be taken hold of and brought to a point or destination. When Luke said He was led by the Spirit... This was the Holy Spirit taking him by the hand and leading him to this place, this point, this destination in his life. Because we're seeing the testing of the medal of who Jesus is. We're finding out the virtue of who Jesus is. Because as I said, even though he's by himself, he's not alone because the Holy Spirit is with him. But there is no one around There's no one there that would know anything about this other than the Holy Spirit. And may I say, had Jesus yielded to any of those temptations, He would have not have returned in the power of the Holy Ghost. Had He yielded to any of those, had He yielded to any any one of those, as minor as it may be, or as minor as it may seem, He would not have returned from verse number 14 of Luke chapter number 4 in the power of the Holy Ghost. But he was not alone. He was filled by the Spirit and he was led by the Spirit and he followed the Holy Spirit. But not only was he not alone, but he was not anemic. Now listen, the Bible tells us that he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says that afterward he was and hungered. So he was experiencing, and the word hungered literally means to crave. He was craving food. His body was craving food. 
You know what it's like if you've ever been hungry. Now, I'm not talking about snacky. What my wife and I, we call snacky. That's just bored eating, I guess you could say. That's when you eat the Oreos and the milk. And that's when you eat the, the, uh, the cake and the ice cream and things you shouldn't eat. You're not supposed to eat or you're not supposed to, you shouldn't eat, if, especially if you're trying to lose weight. Because when you're snacky, yeah, uh, when you're snacky, uh, those, you, those kind of, that, that kind of eating kind of gets you in trouble. No, he's hungry. He's hungry. He's been without food 40 days. So his body now is craving sustenance. His body now is craving the food. His muscles probably are sore. His muscles are probably a little bit weak. His mind is even probably doing some things to him because Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. One man said this, Now as hunger naturally diminishes the strength of the body, the mind gets enfeebled and becomes easily irritated when someone is hungry. Without a doubt, his body and his mind were craving food. And he was watching in prayer... He was watching and praying and he was not uneasy. And, and if we're not careful, when we become hungry, we become impatient, right? That's when we get a little crabby. That's when we get a little unkind toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. There was an Arabian philosopher who said this to his son. He said, my son, never go out of the house in the morning till thou hast eaten something. By doing so, thy mind will be more firm and thou shouldest, and shouldest thou be insulted by any person, thou wilt find thyself more disposed to suffer it patiently. For hunger dries up and disorders the brain. So can you imagine what Jesus is experiencing? Forty days and forty nights without eating food. His body is craving, but he's not anemic, even though he was physically needy and craving sustenance, yet... He was spiritually strong, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And in the midst of this testing that is ordered by the Spirit, and it's operated by the devil. But he is not anemic, he's not weak. Spiritually, he's not weak. Physically, he may be, but spiritually, he is not weak. So he is not anemic, he is not alone, he is not anemic, but he's also... Jesus is not, in this time of temptation, He is not apathetic. Though He was physically weakened by His spiritual activity, He was not negligent, and He never lost His will to combat sin and the devil. We sometimes, we get apathetic when we get a little hungry, when we get a little thirsty, when we get a little tired. Sometimes, you know, when you're first saved, that zeal overcomes you and you're, you're going for God and you're passing out tracts and you're preaching and you're testifying and you're reading and you're praying. And, but you know what? I think sometimes the Lord allows all the newness of that to kind of wear off because it's during those times when the newness begins to wear off that we begin to get a little apathetic doesn't really matter anymore. Doesn't really, we don't really care about it anymore. It's not as fun anymore. And if it's not as fun, 
then surely there's no reason to do it so we don't have the same drive, the same desire, the same want that we had when we initially started serving the Lord. And we get apathetic. You know what? I think at that point what God is doing is He's taking away all the zeal and all the emotion. He's taking away everything. He's saying, I want to see if you'll do it for me. As opposed to doing it because it's fun, will you do it for me? Will you put the same effort in it that it was while it was fun? Will you put the same effort in it for me? Will you have the same drive when it was fun? That you Will you have that same drive when you're doing it for me? And Jesus was one that was definitely not apathetic. He still loved His Heavenly Father. He still desired to please His Heavenly Father. We are made vulnerable to the attacks of the world, the flesh, and the devil when we become physically weak. Yet Jesus was strong spiritually despite being 40 days without food. So He was not alone. He was not anemic. He was not apathetic. We can see from our text verses in these Matthew and Luke Verses we can see from those verses that the Lord has not gotten Himself into trouble. He's not here by some bad decision He made, right? He's not doing so. He's not seeing how close He can get to sin without sinning. He's not yielding to the temptation. He's not putting Himself in a place where He can have a greater opportunity to sin, but rather He is being led by the Spirit into this test. He's being led by the Holy Spirit into this test. And as the Lord is tested of the devil, we can find out a little bit about how the devil works when he is tempting us as well. As you read this account, I believe this is why the Lord put it early in His ministry. I believe this is why it's in the Bible, why the Holy Spirit put it in the Bible early in the Lord's ministry to see that He was tempted all points like as we are yet without sin and that we have the same resources that He had. He had the Word of God. He had the Holy Spirit. He had everything that we have. And just like Jesus overcame the temptations and the test, you can overcome the temptations and the test. I was looking at the verse. I was looking at the verse in the bulletin. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love Him. Why are you willing to endure temptations? Why are you willing to endure tests? Because you love the Lord and the Lord as a result will give you the crown of life. So He desires to defeat, uh, the devil desires to defeat every child of God. The devil desires to, uh, the ultimate destruction of every sinner. That's what the devil desires. And He was desiring to destroy the Lord here. He was desiring to destroy the Lord before He ever made it to Calvary. His desire was to sidetrack Jesus Christ so that He would never fulfill the will of God and pay the ransom for sin that was involved and was needed for the lives of of people, lives of mankind. He was trying to sidetrack Him. That's what the devil's doing to you. Have you ever read what the Bible is? The Bible, the Bible, Bible tells us about the devil that he came, uh, the, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he does. And the Bible says as the devil as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's there to kill, steal, destroy, devour. That's what the devil wants to do. He's not our friend. He's not our friend, but we sometimes get awfully close to him and mug up with him. His goal is to disrupt the commitment of the child of God and the capacity of the sinner to repent. That's what he wants to do. He wants to disrupt your commitment to Christ, your commitment to God as a believer, 
And he does not want you to obey God's command of repent for the sinner. May I say this? I was talking to my wife yesterday. May I say this? I think sometimes we go about this idea of salvation really all wrong. We're presenting it as though it's an option. It's a command. God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It's not an option. You have to, you have to repent. You need to be right with God. This is a command. Just like thou shalt not steal is a command. Thou shalt not kill is a command. A God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Repent and believe the gospel. It's a command. We sometimes make it an option. But nonetheless, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to destroy the capacity of the sinner to repent. So how does the devil do this? Well, I think the Bible shows us how the devil does the disrupting and the destruction. And that's what I want to preach on for just a few minutes on discerning the disrupting of the devil. Discerning the disrupting of the devil. How can I discern? How can I find out what the devil is doing? How can I find out when the devil is actually attacking me and and working against me? How do I know what the devil is doing? Well, he shows us by the example of Jesus Christ. He shows us in these two accounts, in Matthew's account and Luke's account, he shows us in these two accounts how the devil attempts to disrupt the child of God and how the devil longs to bring destruction on the sinner, on the unbeliever, and, and prevent them from the capacity of repenting. Well, how does he do that? First of all, I want us to consider his attack. What does he attack? When you look at the scriptures, you'll find out that, let's just look in Matthew chapter number four. If you're in Matthew, in Luke chapter number four, the Bible tells us in very, in the, some of the very first verses here, in verse number three, the Bible said, when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God. So the first thing the devil is going to attack is your relationship with God. That's the first thing he's going to, to attack. The first thing he wants to do is bring into question your relationship with God. Are you really a Christian? Are you really a son of God? Are you really the son of God? Because if you are, then I want you to do something. Then I want to see some power. Then I want to see something happen. Then you're already hungry. If you're, why don't you get your prayers answered? If you're really the Son of God, if you're really the Son of God, why don't you pray and show me, display unto me some kind of work that you're doing that shows that you are the Son of God? If you are the Son of God, then why aren't you doing these things? Why are you doing something else? If you're the Son of God, why aren't you praying and seeing these power, these powerful displays of the power of God? Why aren't you seeing these things? Are you really the Son of God? That's the way the devil operates. He just wants to put a doubt in your mind. He wants to put a question there. Why? Because he wants to disrupt your commitment to the Lord. That's what he wants to do. He wants to disrupt. He wants you to question your commitment. He wants you to question God's commitment to you. He wants you to wonder about where you are. Because listen, as long as you're wondering about what you are and where you are, you will never do anything for God. You'll spend all of your time worrying about where you are and what you are, and you'll never do anything for God. Listen, you can't help somebody who doesn't know what they are. David knew he was a dog. David knew he was a dog. Goliath said, am I a dog? He 
didn't even know he was a dog. And Goliath couldn't get help, but David got help. Why? Because David knew what he was. Listen, I'm trying to tell you something here. If you know what you are, aren't you glad you can know you're saved by God's grace? And when you know you're a son of God, it doesn't matter what the devil says, you have the ability to overcome that through the Word of God. But that's what he's going to attack. He's going to attack your relationship. What's your relationship like with the Lord? What's your relationship? That's what he wants to attack. Then not of that, number two, he not only attacks your relationship, but he also attacks your reliance. Your reliance. Notice what he says. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Why? Because the Lord was hungry. Since the Lord was hungry and had been 40 days and 40 nights without food, why wasn't God feeding him? Well, why don't you take matters into your own hands? You don't need to depend on God. Why don't you fend for yourself? Why do you have to do without? Don't don't do without. You do it yourself. You take care of yourself. Boy, I've seen and heard the voice of Satan so many times in listening to people talk about what they're going to do for themselves. That they can't trust God with those things. You can't trust God with your life, right? Because you have to make some decisions on your own. You can't trust God with uh, taking care of your finances. You can't do that. You have to get a job that keeps you out of church and keeps you away from the things of God. You have to do that because you have to provide. You can't trust God with any of that. You take care of, take matters into your own hands. That's the voice of Satan himself. Listen, you're, you're doing without. Why are you doing without? You're doing without. You're doing without food. Why don't you, if you're the son of God, if you can get prayers answered, why don't you, why don't you ask God to give you this? Why don't you ask God to do that? Why don't you take matters into your own hands instead of waiting on God to provide? I've seen it happen. I've watched good families go downhill in a hurry because they got tired of waiting on God to provide. Because they were going to take matters into their own hands. They listen, and that boy, the devil will attack that. Your reliance. He doesn't want you relying on God. He wants you to rely on Him or rely on yourself or rely on the world or rely on somebody else. He doesn't want you to rely on God. He attacks your relationship. He attacks your reliance. He attacks your relevance. He says he's got the same thing that uh, he uses the same words almost that he does that he did with Eve in the garden. Because when he took him up, up on the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, he said, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, the devil is quoting scripture, Yea, hath God said, if you, you can cast yourself down, uh, he says, for it is written, uh, I'll get there in a minute, he, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Didn't God say that? Yea, hath God said? Yea, hath God said? Didn't God say you could do that? Didn't God say you could do that? If you dash your foot against the stone, and Jesus said, no, you gotta, you gotta interpret it correctly. Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. This would be a temptation. This would be a test of the Lord. That would be like somebody walking out today and saying, I'm gonna show you I have power with God and walk out in the middle of a, of the road in front of a big truck and say, I command thee in the name of Jesus to stop. And as the guy lays on his horn and just runs right over top of you, everybody will wonder, well, I wonder if he was really saved. I don't know about his salvation, but I know he's not very good, uh, very smart up here if you're going to try something like that. But interpreting Scripture in light of Scripture, the devil has a tendency to bring out and set apart verses all by themselves and misappropriate and misapply them 
so that you can make decisions to make yourself relevant to Him as opposed to relevant to God. Yea, hath God said. He attacks our relevance. He attacks our relationship, our alliance. He attacks our reverence. When He asked Jesus to fall down and worship Him, who are you going to worship? Who are you worshiping? You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that to God. You don't have to do all these things. All this raising of the hand, all this shouting, all this praising God. And thank God, I got a letter, a friend of mine, he's it, he's actually in prison. And, uh, and he wrote a letter to me and he said, uh, he said, pray for my, my little Bible study group we got going on. Seventeen men were in this Bible study group. And he said, we had revival sweep through our, our, uh, our Bible study group. He said, one of the men who's in, and he told him, told me what he was in for, who he's in for a long period of time. He said he got to thanking God for the blessings that God had bestowed upon him and the opportunity that God had given him to be saved by God's grace since he's been in jail. He said, I don't even deserve to be, be alive, much less to be saved. And he started thanking God. And he said that spirit of gratitude began to sweep over everybody. And he said, we had revival in the jail cell because of God's gratitude, thanking God for what he was doing. Thanking God for what He had done. And there were people in the prison that were not liking that, I'm sure. I know the devil wasn't liking that. And you know what? The devil says, you don't have to do that at church. You know, you can do that anywhere. You can do that on the lake. You can do it everywhere. What I found out is most people, if they don't do it at church, they don't do it on the lake either. If they don't do it at church, they don't do it at Walmart. If they don't do it at church, they don't worship God anywhere. If it's not easy to worship God here at the house of God, then it's not easy, easy to worship God for you. And the devil has sold you a bill of goods and he's causing you and he's disrupting your love for the Lord and he's disrupting your worship of God. That's his attack. He does not want you to worship God. He does not want that. He doesn't want you. He wants to question your relationship. He wants to challenge your reliance. He wants to question your relevance. Why don't, well, the Bible says you can do this. Why don't you do this? If the Bible says you can do that, why do you say you can't do that when you could do this? When the Bible says you can do this, then look at what the Bible says over here. And so there's relevance there. And then the reverence, his attack, that's where the devil comes. Boy, he'll do it too. I've seen him attack every one of these in, in the lives of Christians and the lives of sinners alike. I've seen him attack every one of them. Now, not only do you see his attack, but I want you to see his answer. Talking about the devil's answer right now. First of all, when he talks about the, his answer, his answer to the need was his provision. Command that these stones be made bread. He said, uh, if you're the son of God, why don't you do this? If you're the son of God, you can, ha- you can meet needs for yourself. If you're the Son of God, you can command God to do things for you. Why don't you command God to do something for you? And Jesus says, said unto him, Jesus' answer was unto him, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Listen, what happens is, Jesus went back to the Word of God. When Jesus went back to the Word of God, when He was attacked about His provision, when He was attacked about His reliance upon the Lord, when He was attacked about His relationship, He went back to the Word of God every time because the Word of God generates resolve to do what is right. You cannot avoid the Word of God and stand during the time of temptation. You can't do it. 
You cannot avoid the Word of God in your daily life. You cannot avoid prayer. You cannot avoid spending time with God in your daily life and be able to stand in the time of temptation because if He can't get you through provision, then He will get you through pride. Luke's account says He took Him up on the pinnacle of the temple. Or Matthew's account said He took Him up on the pinnacle of the temple. And He said, if you'll just cast yourself down, uh, He will give His angels charge concerning thee and you won't even dash thy foot against the stone. He said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. The Word of God generates recognition of the fact that we would not have what we have and be what we are without the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, let me, let me say this. The devil and his crowd is caught up. They're caught up in what we do instead of what we are. If you go to Matthew chapter number 7 and you read those accounts there where those people said, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and thy name cast out devils and thy name done many marvelous works. They're caught up with what they do. Boy, the devil, that's how he attacks. You don't do this. We sometimes get caught up in what we do and what we don't do. And we don't do anything about what we are. What we should be. Those people over there in Matthew chapter number 7, those people over there in Matthew chapter number 7, the Bible tells us that they cast out devils. The Bible tells us that they preached, they prophesied in His name. They did many wonderful works, but Jesus said, I never knew you. Why? What was, I mean, isn't, weren't they doing what Christians do? Weren't they doing miracles? Weren't they doing what, what Christians do? No, because in Matthew chapter number 5, Jesus showed you the fruit of the Christian. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They were not in poverty of spirit. They were in pride of spirit in what they were doing. They were, blessed are the, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They weren't mourning over their sin. There was no mourning and brokenness over their sin. They were lifted up with pride and see that's what the devil wants to do he wants to lift us up with pride instead of realizing that it is the mercy and the grace of God that we are what we are we ought to be broken over our sin we ought to mourn because we're blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth we ought to be teachable in our minds and our hearts we ought to be teachable of the word of God we ought to be willing to listen and obey what the word of God says those are the fruit of a, uh, fruits of a Christian Christian is not caught up in what he does. A Christian is who he is. That's why you don't get saved. You are saved. Because it's not something that I did, but it's something that I've become. So, the Word of God generates that recognition. So Jesus had to go back to the Word of God. His answer was to, to the Lord, to the devil's answer. His answer was the word of God. The word of God generates resolve. The word of God generates recognition. And then the power, when he talked, he asked the question, he showed him, he said, all these things are given to me. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth in a moment of time. That's what Satan did. When Satan showed Jesus all that, he said, you can have all of this if you'll just worship me. And Jesus' response was, get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only that shalt thou serve. And so the power, the Word of God generates reverence. Listen, you can't stay in this book and not have a reverence for the God of heaven. And if you're going to worship Him, you're going to worship Him by, the, by His Word. You're going to worship Him according to His will. 
The whole book of Leviticus was how they were supposed to offer sacrifices and worship God. And the whole book of Leviticus told them, see, you don't worship God your own way. You worship God the way God says to worship. And this is what God said to do. And he said, I'm going to answer you with the word of God. The word of God was the Lord's answer when Satan's attack came. So he saw his attack. His attack was on his relationship, his reliance, his relevance, his reverence. His answer was concerning the provision, his, the word of God generates resolve. It is the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I don't need to have food. I need to have the word of God. Job said, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. To live for God, I don't have to have food, but I do have to have this. To live for God, I realize that my resolve is going to come from my relationship with the Word of God. When it comes to pride, pride is, is brought low. I am abased by the Word of God. I am brought low and I recognize who, how high God is and how low I am. Power, when it comes to power, I recognize that my reverence ought to be to God because it is God that has all power. Jesus has all power. That's where power comes from. Satan would have no power had God not given him any power. So... His answer, his attacks, his answer. Then, after a while, Satan leaves. After he goes through these attacks, he attacks him with the word, with the world, the flesh, and the devil. After he goes through all these temptations, the Bible tells us in verse number eleven of Matthew chapter number four that the devil leaveth him. The Bible says over in the book of Luke, I think it is that the devil departed. Luke chapter number four, verse number, uh, verse number 13, he departed from him for a season. Whatever the case may be, what it basically means is, as the hostilities had ended, the battle was done. And whether the battle lasted 40 days and 40 nights, and Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, or whether temptation was just a period of time, a short period of time, in relevance, speaking of you know, reading the text, how quickly, I don't know how all of that came about, but I know Jesus needed some spiritual ministering. Because the Bible says in, Ma- in Matthew's accounts that the angels came and ministered unto him. The word minister means to distribute necessities to sustain life. He had to have the necessities of life administered to him. So it was a pretty powerful time of temptation. And may I say this, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You never know the power of temptation until you decide that you're going to fight it. If you're constantly yielding to it, you never know the true power of temptation. Those who try to fight temptation understand the power of temptation. Sometimes you can go days being tempted with the same thing. Over. And over and over again, you lay down at night, you go to bed at night, there's a temptation. You get up in the morning, another temptation. You're going to lunch, another temptation. And it's the same one over and over and over again. It's either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Satan hits you with it. You realize that your answer is the Word of God. You've got to stay in the Word of God in prayer. You've got to stay close to your Heavenly Father. But just like every other event, this too shall pass. Because the devil left the Lord. Now, when you think about this, what were the terms of his absence? 
He, when he leaveth him, as I said, the word leaveth there literally means to end hostilities. Or, I thought this was interesting, it's translated forgive in other places in the Bible. And so basically what he says is, okay, I'm not going to try this. I'm not going to try it right now. We'll just stop. I'm not going to hold anything against you right now. So he left him. And the Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So obviously the ways of the Lord Jesus pleased God the Father, and since he was pleased, his enemy was now at peace with him for a season. That was the terms of his absence. May I say this to you? If you will stand firm in the time of temptation, it's going to get harder the longer it goes. But eventually, it will pass. It will come to an end. It may be 40 days and 40 nights. It may be two years. It may be five years. But it will eventually come to an end. Preacher, I don't know if I can handle it that long. That's why you have to stay close to the Word of God. That's why you have to stay close to the Lord. And so his absence, the term of his absence, finally, even Pharaoh was given a respite by the Lord. Even Pharaoh was given a respite by the Lord. And if God allowed Pharaoh, as wicked as he was, to have a respite, don't you think God would do that for you as well? Don't you think that there would be a time, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Aren't you glad that there's somebody there with you during the time of testing and trial and temptations? And even, even when the devil goes away, there will be those that will be there to minister to you. To help her, to give you life, life sustaining, uh, items in order to live the Christian life. The terms of his absence, he ended hostilities. The treasure of his absence, the devil's absence, was he was ministered to. As I said, he was given the necessities to sustain life. God will make sure that you stay alive if you'll stay faithful. God will make sure that He gives you everything you need if you'll stay faithful. Stay, stay close to the Lord. During the time of temptation, whether it's a temptation to evil, a temptation to sin, or whether it's a temptation, a test from the Lord, stay faithful. God will give you everything you need to maintain life. The treasures of His absence, you'll be able to see more things about the Lord. You'll be able to see more things about God than you've ever been able to see. His absence, the terms of His absence, He ended hostility. The treasure of His absence, He was ministered unto the time of His absence. The Bible says the devil leaveth Him in chapter number 4, Luke, Matthew chapter number 4, verse number 11. But in Luke chapter number 4, verse number 13, He departed from Him for a season. The word season there means at a better appointed time. The devil's going to show back up. He might not be around for a little while, but he's, the devil's going to show back up. And he's going to show back up challenging the same things he's always challenged. He's going to challenge your relationship with God. That's why you need to have that ministered unto you while you have the opportunity. That's why you need to make it set, get it settled right now. Because when the devil comes, you'll be able to say, on the authority of the Word of God, I am His child. It's not based on what I do, it's based on who I am. And I am His child. 
Well, I'm glad for that, aren't you? Then he's still going to come around. He's going to question your reliance. He's going to tell, tell you that God's being unkind to you and unfaithful to you. He's going to tell you that God is making you do without and how that you could have life so much better if you would just go ahead and, and do something, make a decision for yourself. If you would just go ahead and do that, you could have everything you've always wanted. You could have everything you're craving right now if you'll just follow God, if you'll just follow, follow your own desires instead of following God. But you'll find out that Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You'll be better off following the Lord and doing without those things than you would to have those things and be without God. He's going to come at you with your relevance. Well, the Bible says this, you can do this over here. And the Bible says you can't do this over here. Why don't you just do what the Bible says you can do? Because I can't do it in light of what the Bible says over here. The context doesn't reveal that I can do it. Yes, he shall give his angels charge concerning me, lest at any time I dash my foot against a stone. Uh, he, he will, he, I will not be utterly cast down. The Bible says, the Bible says he will uphold me with his right hand and though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. That doesn't mean I have to go out and start trying to fall. Since I'm upheld by the right hand, that doesn't mean I go out and put myself in a position to fall. Since I'm, he's going to uphold me, watch. No, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You don't do that. That's not the way it works. And he's going to talk about your reverence. Well, if you'll just worship me, I can give you all the things you've ever wanted. All the things you're striving for, all the things you're, all the things you're pursuing, all the things, all the kingdoms of the earth in a moment of time. No, you don't understand. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Now I would say after Jesus had all of those verses, He was physically and spiritually weakened. Then the angels came and ministered in Him in a supernatural way. And He was strengthened again and able to enter back into the city in the power of the Spirit. And, the de- and, and God will do the same thing for you. Stay strong. Discern when it's the devil talking and not God. Don't allow the devil to tempt you in those relationships, in those, in those attacks, the relationship, reliance, relevance, and reverence. Don't allow the devil to do that, but rather lean on his word. Stay close to his word and stay close to your heavenly father. Discern it. See it. And if you're here today and you're not saved, listen, the devil would like nothing more than to destroy you. The thief cometh not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. And the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. You have a refuge to whom you can run. His name is Jesus Christ. If you will obey his command to repent and believe the gospel, if you will obey his command and run to him, he will save you and deliver you from the mouth of the devourer. From the hand of the destroyer. From the one who seeks to kill and to steal all the joy of your life. He can deliver you from that. And give you life more abundantly. He can do that for you. Don't buy the devil's bill of goods. Would you stand with your heads bowed? Father, thank you so much for the day.
Thank you for your blessings upon our life. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons, uh, the way that we can see how the devil operates. And God, I'm, I'm aware that the devil has attacked my relationship with you. The devil has attacked my relevance. The devil has attacked my reliance. He's attacked all of that. But as I go back to your word, I find confidence and resolve to stay faithful and do right. Father, please help us as believers to not yield to temptation, to stay faithful to the things of God. I pray the Holy Spirit to help us, please. Lord, if there is someone here that's never been saved, I pray that you'd deal with the heart of that, that, child, that person and help them to become a child of God today. Please, Lord, do a work. Do what only you can do. And we'll thank you for what you do for us in Christ's name. Amen. The instruments are playing. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. The altar is open. Has God spoken to your heart? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, get that settled today. You can become a child of God today. You can be saved today. You can be different. And because you are different, you can act different. Let the Lord speak to you. Please obey the Lord. Do what God would have you to do this morning.